4.2 Strength of Arenas The influence of different arenas of authority over individuals depends on the strength of arenas. This is determined in part by the nature of the arena, the level of solidarity among its members, the range of aspects within individuals' lives that the arena touches, and the extent to which the community and its leadership can monitor and sanction members. Other factors are specific to individual members, the extent to which they are beholden to the community and the exit options they enjoy. First, social solidarity strengthens arenas. Members are more likely to view obligations as legitimate when they feel themselves to be part of the community. In such cases, they are also more likely to feel that they will reap the benefits from their contributions when they act together. This is particularly true in small communities, where the fact that each contribution counts can help overcome collective action problems. Two studies of India highlight the importance of solidarity. India's caste system is a well-known example of a closed social system with caste-specific roles, rules, and rewards, and clear discrimination of the lowest caste, the Dalit or untouchables. Often there is solidarity within the castes but not across them. Timothy Waring's research on irrigation in villages of Tamil Nadu illustrates how individuals resist demands to contribute when solidarity is absent. He finds an association between the size of one's caste in a community and how much labor people volunteered to cooperative irrigation systems. Individuals volunteered 77% more days, on average, if the share of their caste rose from 0 to 50% of the village. Moreover, lab-in-the-field experiments revealed that the Dalits in non-Dalit-Dalit groups were less likely to contribute, and Dalit collaborators confirmed that Dalits often reduce their cooperation when called upon by high-caste people because they assume that they will not benefit from any project they are asked to support. Yet, Prerna Singh argues that such solidarity, or what she called we-ness, can develop in communities even when they are divided by religion or caste. Examining Kerala, India, she argues that Keralites established a weenus based on a common language and shared Malayali culture. This allowed them to bridge religious and caste divides, support community services, and even engage effectively in the battle against the coronavirus pandemic. Studies of race and voting also suggest that individuals respond more to the demands made in arenas of authority where they feel themselves to be full members of the community. Michael Dawson argued that African Americans complied more with the demands of their racial groups than class groupings because experiences with racial discrimination led them to view their personal interests as closely tied to that of other blacks, or to have what he called linked fate. Importantly, in this view, social institutions that guide the behavior of groups in other arenas of authority, that is, the rules leading non-African Americans to discriminate against outgroup members, may foster solidarity within a community. Such feelings of solidarity affect the extent to which individuals vote in accordance with social institutions in racial arenas of authority. In the United States, Black and Latin American respondents who expressed sentiments of linked fate were more likely to support minority candidates. In contrast, in South Africa, individuals whose appearance led them to be singled out as different and thus experience fewer feelings of linked fate were less likely to vote with their group. Second, the more multifaceted the arena of authority, encompassing a wider range of behavior and outcomes relevant to the individual's welfare, the greater its influence over individual's choices. 
The rewards of complying with rules within an arena relate not only to the direct act at hand, but also to the indirect consequences that come from maintaining strong relations with other members of the community. In arenas associated with a wide range of activities and future benefits, finding a job, securing one's property, obtaining help in old age, individuals have greater incentives to comply with the social institutions. Examples abound. Frederick Schaefer finds that individuals vote in accordance with male heads of households because the costs of transgressing patriarchs, i.e. social institutions and kinship arenas, go far beyond voting day. He explains, and I quote, The need to secure benefits for family, association, or village and the pressure to reinforce bonds of mutuality overwhelm commitment to the national public good. Vulnerable populations that rely heavily on group cohesion for their survival may well perceive the risks of social discord occasioned by elections to be so great that the question of whether one candidate or another would serve the interests of the community is inconsequential by comparison. Encompassing arenas are found outside the Global South as well. Studying the United States, psychologist Paul Piff and his colleagues find that the poor are more likely to respond to social obligations around family and friendship arenas. This may be because the poor rely on neighbors as their safety net, and thus they are much more likely to expect and give assistance to each other. The American poor act much like the Ghanaians and Pancani's study discussed at the outset of this element. Similarly, studying poor communities in England, Priska Yost finds evidence that the poor's voting behavior is more closely associated with their beliefs over how others in the community vote than is the case for wealthier Brits. She argues that the poor have fewer links to individuals outside their community and thus fewer external options. Consequently, the local arena of authority is more encompassing, having a greater influence on the poor. Encompassing arenas affect not only members but leaders as well. Lily Tsai's influential study of the service provision in China demonstrates this nicely. Tsai centers her argument around solidary groups, in which members are obligated to behave and judged according to the group's standards of what constitutes a good person and a good member. Good meaning not just what is good for the group, but the goodness versus badness of human action and character. When solidary groups, which are akin to arenas of authority, encompassed all citizens in the local government jurisdiction and embedded local officials, both citizens and local officials were more responsive. Third, arenas are stronger when leaders or other community members are more capable of monitoring and enforcement. Rules that enhance visibility foster compliance. This explains why many communities encourage contributions during weddings, public benefit auctions, and other ceremonies during which behavior is publicly observed, emotions of solidarity run high, and social sanctions are particularly effective. Proximity facilitates monitoring as well, as it allows authorities and other community members a better vantage point for monitoring individuals. Finally, in arenas with dense social networks, in which people have a larger number of ties with others in the community, information flows more swiftly through communities, and leaders and members are more likely to know of and sanction noncompliance. This role of networks may explain why individuals respond more to the demands of coethnics than to non-coethnics, as well as Granovetter's finding that weak ties are more beneficial than strong ties in mobilization. Priska Yost and I uncover evidence of the role of networks in a study of the poor in Kenya, Malawi, and Zambia. Using a hierarchical model that allows us to consider the relationship between community social ties and compliance, we analyze a survey experiment on authority that Kate Baldwin, Kristen Gao, and I employed, see section 4.1 above. 
Priskyost and I find that the poor are more likely to participate when asked by local traditional authorities and neighbors than they are when they are asked by more remote leaders, a finding that highlights the importance of proximity. Moreover, these local authorities had even greater influence over respondents living in communities with dense social ties. Higher expectations of social sanctioning in these communities appear to explain greater compliance, at least in part. Networks within communities, geographical or otherwise, facilitate monitoring and enforcement, strengthening the arena of authority. Finally, individuals' responsiveness to different arenas of authority depends not only on the nature of the arena, but also on individuals' characteristics. To some degree, there are idiosyncratic differences in people that make them more or less likely to comply with authority, state or otherwise. Ellickson describes a rancher in Shasta, California, who seemed impervious to the rules and rewards of the ranching community for no obvious reason. However, circumstances can also systematically affect the hold that arenas have over individuals. Arenas have less influence over those who can more easily opt out of the community or weather the costs associated with reneging on obligations. As Triandis notes, in general, more affluent and more mobile individuals can escape the watchful eye of their community. The poor and less mobile rely more on benefits accorded by compliance and are less able to escape sanction. This helps to explain why individuals who are disadvantaged within an arena may nevertheless turn to it, even when given the opportunity to venue shop. Justin Sandifer and Bilal Siddiqui demonstrate this in Liberia. There, women were far more likely to take their disputes to customary rather than state fora, even when they were aware of their alternative options and despite the fact that customary tribunals disadvantage women. The exception was women in the process of suing men, who are more likely to file charges in state courts. However, this exception may prove the rule. In this context, it is extraordinary for women to sue men, a move afforded to those who are better able to refuse compliance with the social institutions. Expecting that alternative venues will free the disadvantaged from repressive relationships misses the fact that those most disadvantaged are often least well-positioned to escape the arena of authority.